hand into the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Welcome, my friends, once again to the spoiler room. Yes, we are doing live action animation mashup month here. We did Roger Rabbit, and last week we talked about Cool World. And today, well, we are talking about a film. And before people get technical, I consider this film an animation live action mashup of a very early kind. It's from 1982, and it is called Tron. And to talk with me about this very interesting, almost would some say ahead of its time film, is none other than uh, the horror miser himself, Monty G. It is Lamont. Hello, Lamont. How are you, sir? Ah, good to be back in the spoiler room. Back, back, back. Yes. <laughs> I actually, I, I missed, I really wanted to talk about Roger, Rab- Roger Rabbit, mm-hmm. uh, but unfortunately I couldn't be available for that one. But uh, I'm glad to be available to talk about Tron. Yeah, we're glad to have you here on uh, to talk about Tron. And uh, yeah, uh, 1982, uh, put out by Disney. This was This was during a time when Disney was kind of on the ropes and they were venturing out into uh, some other films and uh did you want to give the synopsis lamont of yeah yeah, sure why not Uh, straight from imdb a computer hacker is abducted into a digital world and forced to participate in gladiatorial games where his only chance to escape is with the help of heroic security program actually called tron (laughs) yes and and that's what it is it's it's pretty straightforward uh film it's got a great cast jeff bridges bruce boxleitner in here david warner uh, you know, and you know, tr- uh, what what were your impressions when you first saw Tron, Lamont? Now, I was about probably 17, 18 years old when this movie came out. I don't know, it was, it was probably before or after I graduated high school in 82. And the style and the visuals were way beyond this time, especially even back in 82. And so a lot of people were impressed by it. And I was impressed by it too. I was like, wow, this is a really amazing film. Really, haven't received anything out of that other than Star Wars at the time when it comes to as far as visual effects are concerned. Uh, that's what I was so impressed by it. But there was one problem. What the hell is the story about? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's pretty straight. It, it's pretty simple. Or it could get really complex, depending on which road you want to take. Both, I think, would apply. Um, it basically is a guy looking for credit for a program he wrote. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I get that now, but you know, you know, back when I was seventeen, eighteen oh, years sure. old, I, yeah, it's like I have really no clue what the hell's going on, other than the fact this looks good. It's, it's almost the same problem with Avatar, although Avatar's story was a bit more straightforward than this one. Mm-hmm. But the problem is you have a great looking film, nothing has really had been visualized before, but then you have a very a, a very convoluted, a very incoherent story. And uh, you know, unless you're actually listening 
see what they're saying and understanding. Because one of the problems that I had with Tron is that if you don't understand anything about computers, then you'll be completely lost. I think that was one of the huge problems that they have was that they were talking too much tech and not a lot of uh, regular talk to let the viewers understand. Because not everyone understands anything about programming or, or computers for that matter, especially back then. Well, what I found interesting is that, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, they're talking computer tech, but we're talking 82. Mm -hmm. So the computer tech they were talking about was not exactly <laughs> accurate. I mean, it was pr some pretty advanced stuff for 82 computers. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, for the stuff they were doing, uh, especially looking back at it now on modern eyes. And, and for me, uh, you know, I've been IT support in that, not so much a programmer, though I've dabbled in it for for half my life. So, uh, you know, that that's uh, what I do in my day job. So watching this again, it's just... But even back then, too, if you knew anything about computers, you're like, wow, I want that computer because... <laughs> <laughs> You know the the real world uh, the real word uh, descriptions they were doing at that and how they took what would would have been just a like a field of text and translated it into animation. Yeah, it, there is a bit of a stretch if you're an IT person, but if you're made for the younger crowd, you knew enough of that. You know they're using computers, and suddenly there's this whole world inside a computer. Because what got me watching it now was I'm like. Um, those video games aren't attached to any network, so how is it all one world? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's that, and that that's the problem because you no, know, back it was probably maybe a few more years before I actually got into computers myself, mm -hmm. and I kind of understand the concept because it was just all about mainframes back then before we even got to PCs. Oh yeah, and the, and the network. So you know that was the problem. But the main thing was, and I don't know if Disney knew about it, was just uh, hey, look, this is just one big computer game, and then that's what that's what it basically turned out to be. But I don't know if that's what Disney saw that because, of course, you know, I think maybe uh, three or three months later was that we got the Tron video game in the arcades. Oh God, I love the <laughs> Tron video game in the arcade. Oh my lord, that I put so many quarters in that thing. <laughs> That that was well because it was so cool because just oh, like yeah. just like in the video game it was all highlighted in blue LEDs. You had mm -hmm. a really cool controller. You played like uh, you know it was made up of of uh, like five smaller games. You know, so you're just like, oh man, this is awesome! It all lit up in blue and the the games. Yeah, because the video because the movie was about video games, they were able to translate pretty much the stuff that happened in the movie right to the video game. So, I mean, it was literally like you were playing uh, uh, the movie, you know? Mm -hmm. So the video game was fantastic. And it's interesting because here we actually have a, a thing where uh, Steven Leisberger uh, directed this, but he also came up with the story and the screenplay he is credited, which doesn't happen too often in Hollywood to where you have the same guy doing pretty much all, you know, directing and writing the screenplay and the story. I mean, that's a little unusual, but, uh, you know, I think it works because he does know the material. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I I like this film. I mean, this film when I watched it, I was I was a bit younger. Um, I was eight at the time, I believe, when this came out. Saw it in the theater, loved it. I mean, yeah, this came out on my birthday. No, oh. uh, <laughs> actually, uh, not eight. I was seven. It was uh, yeah, nineteen eighty two. So it was seven. I, I saw it on my uh, birthday. Well, that weekend anyway, and. I was blown away. I loved it. I mean, you know, video games, I'm at that impressionable age, so video games are becoming big. Arcades are huge at this point. Uh, it, you know going them. And so here's a movie that's about arcades. It's like, holy, this is fun. You know, now watching it older, I didn't catch all the uh, religious type angles they were trying to take with it, you know, as well as some of the other deeper stuff uh, that some people have uh, brought up about this film and technology. But for me, I just loved the animation. I mean, the the live action with the animation uh, mixture is mind-blowing for 82. Oh, yeah. You know, I think people kind of take it for granted. Now you look at this, it's like, man, that, that video, you know, that those 3D graphics were not easy to make back then, Mm-mm. you know, uh, and it was just impressive that they did those. Um, it's shot on film, and apparently, uh, looking at it, they did a lot of creative animation uh, trickery in order to get the camera and the the, the visuals because. Uh, the story goes, folks, if you're not familiar with it, shame on you. Basically, Jeff Bridges plays uh, Matthew Flynn. Uh, mm-hmm. or, sorry, Kevin Flynn. He plays Kevin Flynn, who is trying to... Uh, he's a brilliant programmer, but he got let go of uh, from a uh, high-tech company that does programming uh, for various businesses and that. And also, they got a military contract on the side. Uh, but anyway, he got kicked out, and so he is hacking back into their big computer, which they call the Master Control, to try to find the evidence that he actually designed these computer games that another individual named Dillinger took credit for. So he's finding credit for his video games uh, so he could get the money and the bank because uh, Dillinger is getting all got a big promotion and the bank and everything, and so with the help of his uh, ex girlfriend, uh, played by Cindy Morgan, and her new boyfriend, uh, played by Bruce Broxleitner, who uh, and his character developed Tron. He also mm-hmm. plays as Tron's counterpart in the computer game. Uh, we see how Jeff Bridges tries to break in, and the MCP, which is the AI in this, who could be a precursor to Skynet. Uh, <laughs> finds a way to suck Matthew uh, Kevin Flynn into the game, mm-hmm. uh, the game grid, the, the the world of computers. And so we see how he tries to figure this out by battling the corrupt system that is the master control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I loved when he got sucked in. I mean, that really, this was an ambitious project for them uh, because we weren't really getting, like you said, there really wasn't much. I mean, you had the Star Wars films, but majority of the Star Wars films, that was all live-action uh, effects. Animation like this was not seen <laughs> a lot. Oh, no, 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 yeah, you never, you never saw anything like this before. Uh, now, here's the interesting part, because a couple of my friends, a few of my friends, when they went to go see this, they thought Jeff Bridges was trying. 
Oh, I right. Yeah. I, 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 there was a huge confusion. I had to tell him, I said, no, he's not trying. He's, he just got sucked into the game. His actual name is called Clue, which is codified likeness utility. Don't ask, I, I try to tell him, don't, don't ask me why. I said, no. <laughs> I said, his boy, uh, Alan Brady, played by Bruce Boslinger, that's trying. Mm-hmm. And they just looked at me like I was crazy. They, which me, they didn't understand it. They're not, I just thought, you know what, never mind. Just, just, just enjoy the visuals. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's what I I found kind of interesting about this story as well was the fact that your title character is not actually the main guy you follow. No. I mean there's not actually a lot of Tron action in this movie. Yeah, it, it's all Flynn. It, it's all <laughs> Flynn, but I guess if you called it Flynn it wasn't as cool. You Tron. No. Tron, I mean just the sound of it and the way the word is, you, you equate it with that seems like a computer type program or name. Flynn doesn't. Um, it's not impressive, but still a young cast, a young uh, Bridges, who I love Jeff Bridges in this. What do you think of his performance here as, as Kevin it was, Flynn? It's typical Jeff Bridges uh, film for me. I wasn't really known about his work. True. I just knew that he was, he's been in a few movies. Um, I know that his, uh, his, uh, father was uh, Lloyd Bridges, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah his, his father was Lloyd Bridges, you know, you know, and he has a brother named Paul Bridges. But I really wasn't really fond about his work until later on. As, you know, as I got older, I understood Hollywood more better. Uh, but, I, you know, it just, I mean, he was typical, you know, just typical Jeff Bridges movie. You know, and I think maybe later on in his career, he started playing more um, CD roles. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's just like him and um, Dennis Quaid. Right. You know, you know, always played the hero, and all of a sudden now, it's like in The Intruder, you know, and, <laughs> and some other films, you know, all of a sudden you got Jeff Bridges and, you know, Dennis Quaid, all of a sudden they're playing bad guys, but they've always been known as the hero. Yeah, it, it is interesting to see them kind of take that, uh, that change into uh, villainy. I, I, it might be a part, partially an age thing as well you know you 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 Mm -hmm. can only play the hero for so long when you're the young younger kind of looking guy but then when you uh, get older you play the guy who's kind of more in the gray area Uh, Uh, um i actually i I actually he thought i thought he was a great foil to robert downey jr in iron man yeah no i i thought he was too he he played he yeah i thought he handled that very well and and played off each other very Mm -hmm. well and was was a great counter to Iron Man with the way his personality was in that, and in this one though, I mean, he's still he he's the charismatic Jeff Bridges we all we all know now mm-hmm. for sure in this, and uh, you know they know what type of film they're making, but this had to be really interesting to shoot too because I think they did they shot their scenes in black and white and added the color later if I yeah. read it correctly, mm-hmm. so you know th- so that had to be interesting for them in this room where they're acting and some of the uh, uh, they they've got a lot of set pieces in here that are actually where they built them but since it's a computer world they kept it simple which i think helped you know there there are jail cells where uh, the mcp has been putting programs in yeah don't think too hard technically folks of the <laughs> the metaphor for the people representing programs and how the mc uh, mcp is putting uh people in <laughs> 
you know, it, the programs in jails, you, you just roll with it. You, you know, you can't think too hard. But uh, we get some really cool action scenes, especially Flynn gets sucked in and he learns about these programmer these programs and you know uh tron repre- uh, resembles his uh his, the per- the user who designed him and he finds out there's this religion where the programmers believe that they were created by users who they kind of perceive as gods because they were created by them yep and i thought that was an interesting concept especially to work into a film like this because they're not very subtle in the uh, whole religion aspect in this movie. Does that surprise you a little bit for Disney, for uh, you know, a family film like this, that they're kind of rather upfront about religion? Um, I, don't, I don't really think so. I think that was just kind of a way to get people to understand what was happening in, the, in this particular world right mm-hmm. here. I don't think religion played too much in it, but if you take it, what, you know, but you can take it from their perspective, the users, I can understand it becoming a religion because all of a sudden you have these people that all of a sudden that created you, so obviously you must think of them as gods. You know? Right, and and Flynn is is discovering, and they they kind of make a statement about meeting your god or meeting your uh, hero, so to speak, because Flynn well, is seen as a uh, the user, so he's held in high regard amongst all these lower programmers once they figure out that he's a user. And he's just like, I'm just a guy. <laughs> and he's he's kind of bumbling at that. <laughs> uh, no, that, that was the funny part of the, of the picture. He's like, you know, just we, we don't consider ourselves as you know, omnipotent uh, uh, entities. We're just people. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but, down, but down in Tron World on the game grid, they're gods. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So we have a Dillinger who has uh, his counterpart, which is Sarek, who uh, is the uh, right-hand man of the MCP. And uh, I loved the Dillinger villain, both uh, the way he, you know, when he was Ed Dillinger, when he was Sarek, and when he's doing the voice of Master Control, which I didn't realize at first that he did too. David Warner, what would you think of David Warner in this? Well, I love David Warner. Excuse me. Even, even, um, uh, I learned who he was, and because mm-hmm. uh, you know he's he's the voice of uh, darn crap. His name drops for me. <laughs> um, darn, um, it'll, it'll come. To me. Uh, give me. I don't know why my my mind is. Going. Well, he's done a number of voice acting. I mean, most recently, The Amazing World of Gumball. He is Dark Doctor Wrecker. Yeah, uh, no, I'm, I'm talking about the Batman animated series. Raja Ghul. Oh yes, Raja Ghul. Yes. Yeah, because he, he's such a great. He's got that real nice deep voice mm-hmm. that you can just love to hear his talk. And because um, I first heard about him when he was on Star Trek: uh, The Undiscovered Country, when he played the uh, the Klingon guy. Right. So of course, you know, you know, looking back when I was looking back on his film and just imagine listening to that voice, I was like, oh man, he was great in this movie. <laughs> yeah, because he's uh, he's not credited as the master control, but you can tell that's his voice. Yeah, it's modulated, uh, mm-hmm. and master control doesn't exactly appear, you know, um, completely. He compares in the, the the old school CGI type of face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, once you listen to it, once you hear, realize that it is his voice, you could hear it in there. Um, and yeah, I I thought I thought. David Warner, he eats up every frame 
he's in, <laughs> in in this film in a beautiful way. I mean, he's the villain you want. He, he there's no question he's a bad guy from the start, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I I loved his performances, whether he was in the red suit or whether or not he was in the real world. I thought mm-hmm. I thought he was just uh, put in a great performance, probably a little bit better than what you might expect for a film like this. That's kind of a gimmick. Um, but everybody, I think they, they're all in on this film. You know, they, you could easily have, uh, cat, you know, checked out on this movie actually for your <laughs> acting and just go, ah, it's just a Disney, you know, but I, I think their performances really help, you know, and, uh, Love the all the action, the, the game set pieces. The first one that Flynn ends up having to do is the one where everybody wished they would have came out th- with the game, which they finally did, Discs of Tron, years after the original Tron game came out, or a, a little bit mm-hmm. after. But whereas he's on the platforms, and uh, he realizes just uh, that this is kind of a life-or-death game oh, season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what'd you think of the games? Not only that, but I mean, of course, there's the light cycles as well, and the design, just the game world. What'd you think of their production design and, and how they came up with stuff? It was very, very way beyond what we're used to, especially back in um, 82. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, we had, you know, we had Galaga, we had Space Invaders, Pac-Man, you know, this is no typical games, but when you saw Tron, it was like, wow, this is something totally different. And totally real, you know, especially in the movie, especially though that this game where, you know, if you fall off and die, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was, that was very intriguing. I, that's one of the aspects I loved about the pictures was the games themselves, but then especially the light cycles. Mm-hmm. That was very visually stunning on how they did the light cycles and how fast you can turn. And of course, if you run into somebody's little, little wall, <laughs> you get killed. <laughs> you get killed horribly. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, and what was great about it is that the light cycles. It was a simple concept, but it made sense, and it made for one of the best action sequences in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big light cycle chase, because after Flynn survives his first, uh, he uh, kind of befriends a couple programs, and then they end up getting in a light cycle and. Uh, managed to escape the game grid with the light cycles. Uh, and that's where uh, we get to see even more of this computer world, which I just love the design of everything from the recognizers with their, uh, that smashed programs mm-hmm. um, to, to, you know, the, the um, transport that later on Flynn ends up uh, meeting up with Tron and they take this transport across the grid and it, it joins a data stream and you get the little spider guys and it just, Oh yeah. <laughs> they really put a lot of work into this world. And I think that was important that, uh, and like you said, this was some of these visuals and these designs uh, felt, uh, you know, they were original and they weren't things we saw before, but you know, I, I, I really appreciated how they did make it feel like an alien world mm-hmm. uh, more so than, say real world equivalent stuff in it i mean you had the tanks but even the tanks looked futuristic i mean would you say that they did a really good job of completely separating it so it wasn't just oh look this is a car redressed yeah because a lot of my friends were trying to think that it was uh motorcycles or something 
to make it look more. I said, oh no, they uh, they didn't do that. That's no. I said, you have to understand how animation works. That that's not how that's not how that's done. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and so you know, just everything about this world, and I th and, and they immerse you in it, and it, you believe it. You're like, okay, yeah, we're in it. Good, I I'm good. You know, it didn't take long to really sell that you're in the computer world. Never mind uh, if you tried to make real world comparison to their game world counterparts. It's not going to make a lot of sense. Didn't matter at that point because it's fun. The characters were fun that you run into. You know, eventually Flynn does cross paths with Tron, where he sees uh, Tron uh, doing his Discs of Tron game, uh, and you know, because Tron is a security program, and one of the reasons why in the real world they don't want him developed is because Master Control Computer and Dillinger are doing uh, nasty things by hacking into government computers and taking over information and basically doing industrial espionage and, and military espionage and <laughs> tron was a security program that was supposed to work independently uh from even the mcp and and do its policing even of that which of course it would end up catching the big mean nasty stuff they're doing behind the scenes mm -hmm. and that's why tron is such a threat and i liked bruce boxleitner as tron <laughs> this, you know uh, total hero pure, and then you work the religious aspect of where he completely is a believer, um, true to faith. Even you know Flynn's just a guy, but here we have this guy who's just a just a true believer. Yeah. And you know, what would you think of Tron as the char as a character? What would you think about him as a hero here and and the the true religious uh, faith believer? Uh, for for his character, what do you think of Tron? He was a very interesting character. I thought he really, you could see in in Bruce Bonlinger's face about how much he, he loves the users, how much he uh, commands respect for them. Even though Flynn is like, I'm just a I'm just an ordinary guy, but you can see how much he appreciates them, and he's willing to do anything to make sure that uh, Flynn, uh, whatever Flynn is trying to do, works. Right, works. You know. So you got to get the guy. That's why I give it to Bruce of how well he acted. You know, even though he's not in the film that much, but when he's in it, you can see his devotion to Flynn mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the users. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's interesting too because that works into how they handle uh, interface towers, and it it makes sense once you set up and and buy into the religion of users and and uh, you know pr their programs. The programs having belief in their users, they go to what they what are the I.O. Uh, temples, oh, basically, yes. where you have <laughs> a guy who looks very much like a priest controlling <laughs> entrance into the temple, which they have data disks, which are an awesome creation. I know they're just frisbees with lights, but they are so cool in this movie and they use that to interface with their gods. And so he goes to a temple to talk to his god and i just i just found that amazing how they work that angle you know all the imagery religious imagery they put in here uh really is is just i thought was interesting but it didn't feel like it was trying to sell a religion it was just presenting it you didn't feel like there was any agenda or anything in here did you no. lamont no that, that that was just just the character's perception mm -hmm. uh the main thing Disney was, was worried about is like it looks great, 
kids are going to love it, and we and uh, more than likely, if we create a video game video game about it, they'll play it. <laughs> I think that that's what Disney's perspective on it, not not the fact they're trying to sell it. Right, the marketing. <laughs> we we got a great chance to do marketing here, uh, you know, especially with the video games, which they, they were successful very well. Uh, we have Cindy Morgan here as uh, the pretty much the only female character <laughs> in this film. Uh, now uh, she plays in the real world. She plays Laura, and she has earned her right. She's just as smart, if not smarter, than the guys. And then we have her counterpart Yori in uh, Tron, in the computer world. And, and what did you think of Cindy Morgan's uh, female character in here? Did you feel like she was actually in, I mean, because we're talking 1982, but she felt on an equal with everybody else in here. Uh, did you feel that way, or do you think, uh, you know, she may have been uh, short-written? Well, I, I think she, you know, she, uh, one of the things I'm glad about is that they allow the woman to be just as smart as the men. She's not a damsel in distress or screams all around. And she's just as smart and as capable as uh, Flynn and Tron or even uh, Flynn or uh, Brad, uh, Bradley right. you know, in the world world. So, you know, that's why I was glad, you know, and I thought Cindy Morgan did a good job of betraying her. Mm -hmm. you, know, she, you know, she's not just, she's not just there for eye candy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, her character does serve a purpose. I mean, uh, she's the one that hacks in and takes control of the transport that's much needed to take across the game grid to get to, mm -hmm. the, to the MCP. I mean, the other guys can't, you know, um, <laughs> the, the other guys can't quite figure it out. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, she's all on it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I liked her character quite a bit, especially for 82 and the type of film this was. It was nice to see. You, you felt like these were just three people and, and they were all e on equivalent levels for for um, uh, skills, though some were you know more skilled at things than others. So uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought the characters were well written, and there's the the film moves along pretty good. I mean, I don't think it really slows down much in this film, except for maybe the part after he uh, takes over the the one recognizer. He creates a recognizer. Flynn does, but. Uh, doesn't do it so well. Uh, but for the most part, you, this film kind of moves along nicely, doesn't it, Lamont? Oh, yeah. It's it's nicely paced. There's no low moments. There's no change in tone. You know, it just flows very nicely. You know, I think once you get to the beginning of the movie and you see uh, the characters, instead of the real-world characters established, and then when Flynn gets sucked into the, uh, the grid, and then the visuals take place, and everyone's like, oh, wow. And they're just amazed at everything that's happening. It, but it just flows so nicely. There's no, there's no change in tone. There's no, uh, there's no uh, stuff where people get bored, unless you're simply just, this is not your type of movie, then you shouldn't mm -hmm. go see it. But other than that, yeah, it's a very nice and well-paced movie. Yeah, it, it, you're right. They introduce you to the world fairly quickly because, again, Flynn is not Tron, <laughs> but <laughs> the movie's called Tron, but the first character we're introduced to is Flynn and his <laughs> his tank, um, which I loved. I always loved the design of the tanks. Um, mm. I, I thought, and that was always a fun part of the video game, too, was the tanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it, it just, I overall, I think this film, and uh, it, we won't need to get too much more into it today. I'll keep it short, but 
this film is it's just fascinating for 82 what they did with this and and taking a chance on a film like this you know taking uh, of course they're they're taking advantage too of the rise of computers the rise of video games and everything so that's disney as you mentioned lamont is capitalizing on the popularity of this new tech mm-hmm. uh, i put it in quotes new tech uh you know but uh yeah i think it's it's it still holds what's interesting is even though it's got the uh what would be considered today the primitive cgi animation Mm -hmm. there's a lot in this film i think it still holds up today because they're playing it off as a video game world so the graphics not being that advanced i think allows you to buy into it more and accept it easier. Would you say that the film does hold up today, maybe because of that oh, fact? Yeah, I think it does kind of hold up, you know, especially from someone from my generation. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you know I'm, I don't know if anyone like now or the millennials might not enjoy it as much as I do, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know they're, because they're now in this advanced age of, of computers. But to me, it, when I would rewatch it, for this conversation, it's like wow, you know, it's like it still holds up to the day. You know, it's still, you know, you, you can see uh, some of the um, glyphs, you know, depending on what type of version that you're watching it for. Mm-hmm. You know, I just watch the standard version of it because I know uh, uh, this transference of 4K and this other stuff right there. I'm pretty sure it doesn't come off that very good uh, on 4K as opposed to just watching the regular standard uh, version of it. The blue, the Blu-ray actually looks really good. The transfer they did, I I don't know how much work or whatever they put into it, but the Blu-ray itself looks looks great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took away some of the the the, the grain in that, and it it looks it looks sharp. I was watching that, I'm like, oh man, this is a really good transfer, you know, because <laughs> you do get some of those older films that aren't great Blu-ray transfers where you're looking at it going, why'd you even bother? Yeah, no. Like, don't, don't, don't you can't just transfer everything from a, from a standard from a uh, from standard transition, a standard um, yeah uh, resolution, yeah resolution to for, to a Blu-ray. It's not mm-hmm. going to work. Yeah, and it is. Uh, you do get a boss battle at the end because it is based off of video games, and I liked how this film came to its conclusion as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the fight with uh, Mega Dillinger bot was really fun. No, that was fun. <laughs> I mean, that that was just great, you know. Uh, and there's some tense moments in here as well. Overall, it's it's a solid movie that still holds up. I I, I totally agree. Uh, we'll 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 end the episode tonight. I want to know, uh, did you have a specific like favorite part or or scene uh, from this film, Lamont, that you wanted to share? You know, one that that kind of stuck with you and that you just you really enjoyed. Yeah, it has to be the life cycles. Mm-hmm. Even though it was like trying to play the life cycles on the video game was very difficult for me. <laughs> yeah. <Let's see. laughs> but the life cycles, I, I thought that was the best part uh, of the computer animation. Yeah, the light cycle segment just sticks out for you as well. For me, uh, fully, and I don't know if anybody out there can relate, but uh, when I was younger at, at my house, we had a concrete slab. I don't know if it was where it was placed or if it was hollow underneath, but when I jumped on when I when I jumped on the concrete slab, it sounded like when they were jumping on the platform in that first game uh, that Flynn was in, that echoey, that electronic echo 
So as a kid, I would constantly jump around and imagine I was in Tron. But yeah, as a but as a kid, I, I was just having fun with that that sound, and I don't know if that's where they got the sound from from or what. But uh, so, but light cycles definitely, and then yeah, that that scene with the uh, with the echo when they would jump on the platforms, just because uh, I I could uh, mimic that when I was a kid, and so <laughs> <laughs> so what can I say? I I, I was a very strange child, but <laughs> uh, we do know, uh, as many people out there do know, that they did come out with a sequel to Tron many, many moons later. And uh, you know, did you think that sequel was a decent follow-up to this film? Did it feel like a sequel, or did did you uh, were you not happy with the way that one played out? Uh, it's okay. I, I, I... You know, I know we're in the age of uh, sequels and remakes, and uh, to me, it felt more like a remake, not of a sequel. Because mm-hmm. you know, with the new technology and everything, and everything we have right now, it seemed more like they were trying to remake it instead of just making a sequel. So it was kind of, it was kind of ifyish to me, uh, ifyish, whatever you want to say. It was sure. kind of so-so, <laughs> so-so. It felt more like a remake than an exact sequel. Yeah, you know, because all of a sudden, uh, I think characters change you know is that really flynn or is that really a computer program is he the new mcp now and, you know and again the, the problem with the story and some continuity issues mm-hmm. again as well you know, all of a sudden now uh, tron he he's with the he's not the same tron that we used to any that we used to anymore it's like well you know instead of just calling the sequel i'll just remake the movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that was that, that was my whole problem with the sequel and parts of it, I, I definitely felt like it was a remake. It makes you wonder if initially maybe they had intended a bit for it to be a remake, but because of backlash <laughs> and, you know, thought they maybe retailored the story, you know, early on, because they yeah. they like to, and I put it in quotes, leak things out now, uh, just uh, eventually, you know, to see, huh? <laughs> Just to see, just to gauge what the internet is going to say. But, um, yeah, you know, it, I did like the updated stuff. Uh, you know, the, the they took the classic stuff and they did give it a bit more of a updated parts, but they still felt like the same thing. So uh, I did like uh, Tron Legacy, uh, Tron 2010. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was decent, uh, but it did, it did feel a bit like they were, it was as... Uh, a good friend of ours, Scott Davis, would say a requel of sorts, in which case it was a combination of a reboot and a sequel, uh, you know, and trying to uh, kind of uh, thread the needle, so to speak, on that to try to appease both audiences. So, yeah, but the original Tron does hold up, I think, as well. I think it should be seen. Uh, it's a lot of fun, uh, it, especially if you're into video games. I think you should mm-hmm. check it out. Um, it spawned a great stand-up console in, in Tron, and uh, Discs of Tron especially was just so much fun. And, yeah, it, it made out at a time when uh, video games were the fresh thing. I mean, they're standard today in culture everywhere you go, but back then they were just working their way into, into the pop culture. Yeah. And uh, I think this is a good representation of that <laughs> energy. Uh, yeah, because... Most of the time, when I would go to the arcade, which is a you know you see your you see your asteroid 
you see your, you know, Pac-Man games, but it was mainly just all pinball machines, mm -hmm. you know, back in the day. And then all of a sudden, then Pac-Man, then Ms. Pac-Man, and Defender, <laughs> but then when, but then when Tron came out, that that really set the that really set the standard for console games. Yeah, it did. I I think it it helped elevate, and people were looking at it, going, "Oh, we could do that," uh, <laughs> <you> <laughs> know? because for when it came out, yeah, especially light cycles, man. I I there would always be a group around the stand-up waiting for their turn to play the game, and yep. you, you always, I mean, you had to play the other uh, uh, five games, I think it was, the f other four games, but of course, everybody wanted to play Light Cycles, uh, just because that is just such iconic action piece, and just so cool. It, it, it just is. I mean, even the old school version is just... Man, they they gave you the feel of speed and everything in it, and yeah, it's just Tron's definitely one of those films where you could see why it is called a classic. It was one of those films I think that really is is one of those must see type of film, and it it did change the landscape on what you could do, I think, with uh, a genre films, you know, as well, and. There weren't too many afterwards that came out with it either, though. Were there? No. Nope. No. One that many. I don't think. I don't think was. was I was quite surprised. I think we would get a whole scanner feel. I mean, whole uh, clones or copies or ripoffs of time, but we never did. No, we didn't. And maybe it was because of the uh, technical aspect of what they had to go through with it that it wasn't just an easy. Oh, let me sit down at my. I mean, nowadays, yeah, you could sit down at your computer and make these Tron graphics. But back then, I don't think it's one of those where you know it, you could just sit down and and whip this <laughs> whip this no, together. The computers at the time they, they didn't have the they didn't have the memory in order mm -hmm. to do that. So, uh, nor they had to actually do it almost similar to like you do with stop motion animation. Mm -hmm. You had to click. You had to do one frame at a time. Yeah, that back then, I mean, now you couldn't, but your peers couldn't do that type of animation back mm -hmm. then. And, and I have to just mention, because it is such a major part of this movie, uh, the soundtrack to oh, this yeah. film. Uh, it, it's a great soundtrack. Uh, mm -hmm. Wendy Carlos, uh, I, it was funny because I couldn't find it forever, and then I found it on cassette. I still have it. It was an import cassette from uh i think it was from mexico or whatnot uh, of the tron soundtrack and it wasn't until you know soundtracks have made it big again that they re-released it but i always loved the music in tron i think it, it's an important piece as well to this film uh mm. especially for the opening considering we don't get a credit sequence in the opening no we don't y you know y we we get a kind of uh introduction to animation and uh wendy carlos uh, score really just helps set the tone and and the uh, environment as well. I mean, it's the electronic score fits so well with the fact that you're in a computer world, and uh, it had a great theme <laughs> as well. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Uh, that is Tron. Uh, I hope uh, we wet your whistle a little bit, just because it's 1982 and maybe some what some might consider simple computer graphics. It doesn't turn you away from what is just a fun sit-down film that everybody could watch uh you know this is this is a family movie for sure though i think it, it gets a little dark uh but not too bad uh but i think everybody can enjoy it lamont what would you say final uh thought with tron well yeah give it give it a chance you know uh i'm pretty sure the, uh, you know, some millennials might enjoy it still 
they might not. They might think it's probably old fashioned, but still, I give give it a chance, watch it, enjoy it. It's still a pretty good movie. And there you have it, folks. And now, as always, with our show, this is a point in the movie, a show, a movie, uh, the point in the show where I give my guest uh, the license to shill. So please, Lamont, tell the fine folks where they can find your stuff at. You can find me at. Let's try this again. Sure, go ahead. You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Morocco829. You can see my latest review of. 47 meters down, and I should have my review up of, let's see, Darling and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I should have those up as soon as quickly as possible. Awesome. So keep an eye for that. Go subscribe to his channel. Some great stuff there and some insight. Uh, I thank you, Lamont, for uh, discussing uh, this film with me. And now I think we'll just say goodbye, everyone. Adios, people. We'll see you later. Hey, all my friends out there looking for more Spoiler Room goodness? Then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to exclusive Spoiler Room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups at SMPRD and on to Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the Spoiler Room, as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support, and remember in the Spoiler Room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.